0: welcome to weed week i'm alex alpern and i'm donnell alexander this is the weed week podcast you can subscribe to our free newsletters weed week weed week california and weed week canada all at weedweek.net you can find us on twitter and instagram at weedweek news got any feedback write to us at hello at weedweek.net So today we've got an interview from our most recent Weed Week event, Recharge, which we had the end of September at the uh, London Hotel in West Hollywood. We had a really good time. And we taped an interview with Andrea Drummer from Lowell Farms, a cannabis cafe. Lowell Farms is a big brand of flower and pre-rolls in California, and they are opening what is one of the first cannabis cafes Uh, Sort of real cannabis restaurants in in West Hollywood.
1: It'll be starting up in just a few days from when this podcast airs. Don't be mistaken though; it's not a place where they're going to be cooking with cannabis. Instead of buying alcohol, you can buy bud. Yeah, they're going to have like a dispensary.
0: On premises. Yeah. I, I think it's probably good that they're not cooking with weed. I don't think there's a huge market for that.
1: Well, we had a, I, I noticed there was an Instagram uh, action with our accountant, someone who did assume that there was going to be hot food there. And he said it was a terrible idea. And it, I, th- I mean, I don't know if it's a terrible idea. I think it's an idea whose time is not ready. That's that's fair. Yeah. I think there'll be a time when we can actually quantify the impact and the time, but we're not there yet. We definitely don't want hours and hours of stone people. I thought one of the more interesting questions that came up. It was a world-class, you will hear that it's a world-class Q&A. Um, how are you going to get people to leave? I feel like people are going to stay there forever and ever. The waitresses are going to be like, I need 50 bucks a tip for this table because <laughs> you've been here for six
0: hours. It is a good question. I mean, because that is a problem for life, for, for life. but also, you know, some of the other places which have sort of opened a little bit around the country. What do you mean a little bit? You know, they're... Like the doors cracked? What are they doing? Yeah, they're sort of semi-legal or, you, you know, they're just beginning to open and sort of experiment. But this is a more elaborate production. Hmm. Well,
1: independent of all that, I thought Andrea's journey was really remarkable. I mean, that story took a turn that I didn't see coming, you know?
0: It was. She has a really great story. Mm-hmm. So we think we think you're going to like it. But first, we need to talk about a the thing everybody's talking about? That thing everybody's talking about, the the vape crisis and there's a pretty solid story in, in Leafly tracking vape cartridges from the hardware from China to Los Angeles and then um, some of the chemicals and then to somebody who, who got sick.
1: Right, yeah. Uh, the guy who got sick was in Manhattan, and he has a fairly heroic. He's kind of a, a masculine dude, isn't he? He's kind of like the toughest dude ever to go down from a vein yeah. injury.
0: He also, he had said a great thing when when he thought he might die, something like, "I've had a rock star life." So, yeah.
1: yeah. I, but you know, we can talk about the article, and I, I thought that was an interesting thing. I also thought it was interesting to hear that there are fifty million tainted cartridges out in the streets of America. That's crazy.
0: Okay, so it's probably not. So. I don't think it is. They they that's how Leafly sort of semi surprisingly described it because they are sort of owned by cannabis companies. <laughs> they they're not a quite independent media so although it's a pretty solid story I was a little surprised by the language 50 million tainted cartridges when it's probably more like 50 million illegal cartridges.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're so much more polite than I am because I I mean I it's a solid story but that was pretty egregious if you ask me. It's like inviting um hype. You know, what I what I really found interesting is this idea that What's the additive of uh, vitamin E?
0: Vitamin E so
1: are acetate. We, I didn't yeah. get from the story whether this vitamin E acetate is inherently
0: poisonous or if this it's a matter of people using bad acetate. Right. Well, they don't know yet. But I think what's, what's scarier is the possibility of different chemicals combining mm. either in the pens or even in the body to become something toxic.
1: Right. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, that is pretty scary. So are you still vaping? Oh, I'm still vaping, 100%. I don't vape from illicit pens, so I feel like I'm going to be okay you know and i was someone who was very skeptical of it and just didn't enjoy it that much now that my job has me investigating all the different approaches to cannabis i'm seeing the upside of vaping and i am not convinced that this is as widespread
0: a problem i mean i I, 700 800 people have gotten sick i mean to be clear so massachusetts has banned the sale of all-vape products, Which is insane. And is that both nicotine and THC?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Shaleen Title, a recent guest on the show, talked about it very vehemently, about how this is going to drive people, consumers, to the illicit market.
0: And while we can't say anything for sure, it does seem pretty clear that vapes available on the illicit market are, are definitely riskier. Well,
1: yeah, I feel like that's the untold story of all this. All the vaping devices have been lumped in together, not just the quality within the legal market, but who knows what you're getting when people are putting these pens together and the cartridges from amazon and assorted dealers
0: but it is you know it's definitely a legit crisis for the industry
1: oh yeah i mean i want that's what i wanted to talk about with you because i feel like the health stuff i can take or leave but i feel like (laughs) i've been so um brought over to the capitalist side i can't help but wonder what this means for the holiday season yeah los angeles los angeles wants to ban vaping yeah you're around these people are they worried shitless I and mean, I talk about the people who run the companies
0: I mean so i I wrote a story for it, and I, I talked to like three companies who are all very proud of how how pure their products are, and I think they're probably struggling, but at the same time they see a potential upside in being sort of the good actors in the market because the truth is it's probably worth looking at the leafly article to see if I don't remember if they say this in the leafly article. But, you know, probably some of the illegal chemicals and worries, I don't know if illegal chemicals is the right word, but some of the chemicals that people are concerned about, like dodgy terpenes and stuff like that, as well as some of the, some of the hardware that comes from China, those are probably on the legal market hmm. as well, to mm-hmm. some extent.
1: Yeah, no, they did talk about it in there. Of course, these things are out available in the legal market,
0: but they're tools. And I think we don't go away
1: from this without there being tightly controls on the elements of the vape pens. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything more we can say about the crisis. I think we should move on to cooking and food, Weed Week Recharge, and Andrea Drummond. Welcome to the Weed Week podcast. Thank you. I should say welcome to the Weed Week podcast here live at the what? What's the name of this hotel? The London. The London. That's what a live podcast sounds like. I want to begin with something like kind of newsy because it's on my mind. Okay. Like the biggest trend in culinary um, arts is cooking with marijuana, isn't it? I read it is in it like the, gourmet. The
2: biggest trend.
1: In, in restaurants, it was in a legitimate gourmet publication that it's a leading.
2: I th- I think that if it isn't,
1: or it isn't, why is it moving so fast? So fast. Well,
2: because the world is changing. I think our our perceptions and considerations about cannabis is changing. We're seeing different states come online with uh, cannabis le- legalization. Well, let me let me
1: stop you right there. Mm-hmm. How are we changing? I mean, we're, you're talking. I hear you're going into policy, but is that what you mean when you say the world is changing?
2: Uh, that perception about cannabis is changing tremendously. I'm from Florida. Mm-hmm. And Florida has some legalization with cannabis. And you know, Florida steals election.
1: Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> 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 All right. So let's, let's let's work back. You come from Florida. Tell us how you got your start as a chef.
2: I came from a background of protesting cannabis. Um so I was an advocate of the What sh- does that mean? I was You were I, in the streets? No, I was a I was a a drug counselor and i was a proponent of just say no campaign and i taught that to many kids across the country until i moved to la and just what yeah right you didn't invite me here for that did you no but i (laughs) (laughs) you weren't expecting uh, I'm i'm just gonna let you tell it go on please so that's what I was doing for many years. I worked with the Urban League of Broward County. I worked with Planned Parenthood. I've worked with the Coalition for the Homeless in New York and many other programs. And I came to L.A. and just came to a different understanding about cannabis and kind of changed my mind. Again, I, I come from a very Southern Baptist upbringing. And so cannabis was the equivalent of crack or heroin. And that's what I believed for many years until... I changed my mind. I always I like to say that I I'm born again.
1: All right, where did you get baptized? Tell us about that experience.
2: Where did I get baptized?
1: Metaphorically. In L.A. What happened? In
2: L.A. I was driving down Sunset and I saw cannabis plants in the window and they were beautiful. No, and then I also, I met some amazing people who gave me a different understanding about cannabis consumption. They weren't the the stereotypical perception of cannabis consumers. They weren't, you know, lackadaisical or or lazy or unemployed or, you know, all of these things that we were taught that would happen if you would consume cannabis. And I worked for one who was a brilliant attorney and I would have conversations with him that I would have with people that I thought were super intelligent and i would leave thinking that guy was high the entire time i was talking to him so my perception began to change and then i started doing the research and watched a few documentaries and really came to understand the propaganda of cannabis and how it was used to disparage a specific community of people and so my mind shifted Simultaneously, I'm changing uh, careers from nonprofit to hospitality. I'm attending um, culinary school get into the kitchen. I'm of a, of a particular age. I'm not 20-something. I'm in my 30s at the time. And things are happening to my body. And I now that my mind is open, I'm like, okay, I could use an alternative to Medicaid. And I wanted to use cannabis. But then you learn that I could be terminated in a state that has legalized cannabis if I consume and That's use right. that as, a, as medicine.
1: So all this is going on. What kind of cook are you? What kind of chef are you? Are you a
0: chef?
2: Yes, I am a chef. I graduated La Corte, I'm blue. Thank you. you. Can you pay my tuition, please?
1: (laughs) I know we're going to get to the part where where you combine them, but did you even see that at the time?
2: No, not at all. Not at all. Were you
1: aware of it in the world?
2: I just wanted to do something that would be fulfilling, and that was cathartic for me, and that was cooking. And so I, I went to culinary school at the time full time, and I was working full- time at the Ritz Carlton, transitioned straight away into the kitchen, and all hell broke loose with my bones and limbs.
1: I don't know what you mean:
2: Well, I, I have sciatica, I had uh, things happening with my my arms and just different ailments, and I was being prescribed opiates. and in my mind, I, I had to reconcile that I would exist in a lifetime of pain, and I had to figure out what that looks like. Mm. Um, Because, again, if I decided to use cannabis, I could have a random urine test, urinalysis, and be terminated from my job.
0: Right, right. If we can jump ahead to to the restaurant, can you tell us a little bit about how you got this job and how you started to think about what a cannabis restaurant should be?
2: So once I transitioned and made the decision to work for myself and infuse cannabis into cuisine, and that was in 2012, um, and so at some point during this journey, I EP'd a series with Spotify called Breaking Bread. And um, I was able to curate culinary experiences for hip hop artists, you know, sitting at a table, eating infused cuisine, and having conversations. And they would come with their own product. Sounds amazing. It was a really fun job <laughs> to have. So they would come with their own products, but it was very, it was kind of gaudy, you know. So I wanted to bring forth a product for them to partake in that was aligned with the brand that I was trying to put forward and came, met up with Lowell. Lowell herb company, and they were able to sponsor products for my guests, and then that partnership grew, and they offered me a partnership with them in this new venture. So,
0: with cannabis cafes, there there are a couple different issues. There, issues Ooh, that's big. <laughs> I mean, there's there's the issue of how you can how uh how it should be organized, like what people should do there, but there's another issue of how to, how to make money, you know, because with bars, you have people buying a, a $10 drink every, you know, 30 or 45 minutes, and that's not necessarily the the case with, with cannabis. I mean, how did you think about what what a cannabis restaurant should be, both as an experience, but all, also as a, a business?
2: For me, in my mind, it's really, it's just an extension. We're just swapping out the alcohol for cannabis. Have you been to a dispensary? Sure. Do you know how much a pack of pre-rolls costs? <laughs> They're not going to have problems with money, I don't think. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's just just an alternative. It's for those who, you know, many of us consume cannabis and and we don't partake in alcohol as much. So there should be a place where you could go, a communal space, and enjoy a pre-roll with your friends. Just the same as you meet up for cocktails or brunch and have mimosas or, you know, old fashions or the like. So I think that was the notion. We we started there and then we wanted to create a space that supports that in the best way and in a way that, I mean, listen, the majority of people that are coming into this space to use cannabis or consume cannabis, I speak to so many people who's like, I used to use when I was a kid and now that it's becoming legal and, and in so many different states and it's becoming normalized I want to consume, but I don't necessarily want to, uh, you know, light up. So they want other alternatives. So they want to have cannabis cuisine, or they want to just be able to do it in a way that is normal. People eat all the time, right? (laughs) Like everybody's here had a meal today, right? (laughs) And so, yeah, so we wanted to bring it forward in a way that is just normal and just regular. Like you you go and you meet with friends, you sit on a patio, you talk the talk and commune. It's both communal experiences, food and cannabis.
1: So you're you're opening in um, October, correct?
2: October 1st.
1: October 1st. Mm -hmm. The experience you have is a space where people can smoke and then a place where they can dine. Could you just give like the outline of it?
2: Yeah. So we have two uh, patios and we have an indoor space. We have a state-of-the-art filtration system, so you can consume, you can smoke, and the neighbors won't smell it, and, you know, the way to, that it's intended is that you're not inhaling a bunch of, of smoke or, or fumes as you're having or enjoying a dining experience, and then you can order your food and, and sit with friends and, you know.
1: There was a conflict between the... Um The synagogue next door and Mm -hmm. Lowell Cafe. That's all been worked out?
2: It has been.
1: What was was the nature of it, that the smoke would go into their space?
2: Well, our filtration system, again, is state-of-the-art. And then also, it's really about communication. We want to be good stewards to the neighborhood. We want to do right by West Hollywood. We want to be good community members. So our intention is not to just set up this space and, you know, like, go oh, we want to do what we want to do. You know, we want to add to the community and to the world. Um, so it's it's communication ongoingly and having conversations with the synagogue and with the rabbi there.
0: I think we have to wrap up pretty soon. But can you tell us what's on the dessert plate that I, I saw described in The Washington Post? <laughs>
2: A few things, um, but it will alternate. We have some homemade s'mores, which is super exciting. We do a chocolate ganache, and we do in-house marshmallows and also in-house graham crackers. We have a cereal bar, ice cream sandwich, some creme brulee. We do in-house caramel corn. So a lot of nostalgia, you know.
0: That sounds really good. I can't wait to go.
2: I can't wait to have you.
0: All right. Thank you so much.
2: Oh, you're kicking me out already.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.
2: No, actually, with the laws as it stands, we're unable to infuse right now. My vision has always been that it would happen. And the fact that we're in this space, that we, we have a cafe and on-site consumption, certainly gives me hope. Not that I didn't have it before, but it, it will happen. You know, this is the first of its kind. So we'll see that in the future, I do believe.
1: And then in your financials, have you factored in a lower turnover, table turnover rate? I mean, if people
0: are smoking a joint before they sit you know, down. we talk
2: about, I don't know, we talk about when I, when I first started thing. in the industry, we would do, I did a lot of pop-ups and we could not get people to go home. (laughs) So (laughs) we're working on our strategy. (laughs) So if I'm correct you guys are using Jared Nelson's pottery is that right? Yes it's so amazing and I got to I got to meet him and can you explain who that
1: is and what that is?
2: Um, Jared is a gentleman up in, in San Francisco he does like this amazing pottery work and so he did all of our plates and our wares that we'll be using in the cafe So it's really beautiful We're, we're super excited about it. Are you able to bring your own cannabis to your cafe? That is the case But you don't want to there's Lowell gosh. Hi. I'm Richard Eastman, one of the
0: founders of medical marijuana in the great state of California in West Hollywood in the United States with Dennis Perrone, a man living with AIDS for 25 years.
1: Welcome. Richard. I'm honored
0: that they let me into this joint today to uh, question you about, you know, are you going to have brownies? You know, Brownie Mary was a friend of mine. And when I was dying with AIDS 25 years ago and Dennis said, open a pot shop in West Hollywood, I could have been a billionaire or a trillionaire. Are you really doing this for compassion with your cafe or are you just another one of these entrepreneurs that wants to take advantage? of people with AIDS and cancer and glucose. you know, Dennis said all use is medical. That's Are you going to have brownies?
2: That's a great question and I'll answer you succinctly. Thank you. So, when I started in this industry, I started as a patient and it was not with the intent to capitalize on the green rush. In fact, I abhor that term. So, no, I'm not one of those people. Absolutely not. And I'm not for that. I'm not about that. My intention is to help change the world and change the minds and perceptions about cannabis because it it is a miracle plan, I do believe. I have not had to crawl on the floor for three days, unable to walk because of sciatica since I've started consuming cannabis. So don't put that on me. <laughs> uh, sorry, but we will have brownies. <laughs> As a woman previously who have worked in a kitchen, I've been there, was a chef right there with you. Being a previous chef, I know there's a lot of creativity involved and you have to taste everything. So I'm assuming that you're probably making sauces um, that might go on your food. How do you handle tasting what you're making without taking too much? When I was able to infuse directly, I have really tiny, tiny tasting spoons. (laughs) That really is the answer because, uh, you know, again, for me, it's not just about an experience of getting high. It is medicinal for me. So I don't like to be elevated while I'm working. Um, So I was very careful about that.
1: Okay, I think we're going to wrap it up uh, unless there's anyone else. All right, that was very good. Thank you so much. That's our show for for today. Great Great question. Great great great
0: question. Instagram at News or email us at hello at WeedWeek.net.
1: Don't forget Patreon. Patreon. Dot com weedweek. For more weed news, you can sign up for the Weed Week newsletter, Weed Week Canada, and Weed Week California at weedweek.net.
0: There were actually some some interesting takes on the vape crisis at the event because, like, we had Julia Jacobson, who's the CEO of a very very sustainable flower brand called Aster Farms, and she was sort of talking about how this was a real opportunity for her company as well as sort of validation of of her business model. On the other hand of the spectrum, we had people who were saying, "No, this is an illegal market problem, and you know, it's not the problem of our vape business." So lots of different perspectives, some some good back and forth.
1: But yeah, it was an extraordinary event at Recharging. people from all over having amazing educational moments and some actually very lively moments in the panelist portion of the
0: program. Yeah, definitely. So I'm Alex Hopper. And I'm Donnell Alexander. Our producers Hannah Smith and Alicia Bayer wrote our theme music. Additional music is from the late great Andre Bush.
1: We will catch you again here next week. Bye. Peace.